writing a comic the 2018 version of being in a band as an actor? Oh, it was. The, I think it was probably the 2012 version. We've already moved on. No. I think probably hosting a podcast. I can't wait for the graphic novel version of this podcast. <laughs> Speaking of this podcast, Chris, Full Cast and Crew is a podcast that chooses a film and goes down the rabbit hole of its IMDb Full Cast and Crew page, mining it for surprising appearances, unlikely connections, weird trivia, strange quotes, fractured takes, and quirky off-kilter digressions, mostly quirky off-kilter digressions. And what film are we talking about today, Chris? We're talking about The Notebook. Yep. 2004's uh, movie directed by Nick Cassavetes, the son of John Cassavetes, just keep that in the back of your mind, based on the Nicholas Sparks novel from 1996. Mm. This film gave us uh, Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams, neither of whom I had heard of, I'm sure their parents had, before this movie. Well, not before you watched the movie. Well, right, I did come podcast. to this movie You'd late. heard I of just, them I, prior to this point today. Yes, but I, I think... I knew them because they had come from this, which I hadn't watched. And Canada, they came. They both came from Canada. And they Canada. both came from Canada, yeah. Canada's great. They have a Canadian but, decency about them, I think, as actors that, that translates through the screen in their better roles. Uh, well, gosh, I, you're tipping your hand a little bit. Do, do you not think that this counts as one of their better roles? Well, let's just go back in time to the impetus for why we watched The Notebook. I think it was the idea being, let's have, I don't think it's any great secret, we're two guys. Yes, yes. And we thought, to the extent that thinking is involved, we thought <laughs> it'd be funny for two guys to watch the ultimate chick flick. Is it okay to say that, to use I, that term? I don't know that it is. One, I also, I didn't think it was necessarily funny. I thought it would just be interesting. Did I say we, funny? You did. When did I say funny? You said you, it would be funny if we oh. two- Well, yeah, it'd be funny for us to watch a movie that's not built for us and to react to it. Yeah. Perhaps- perhaps react to it surprisingly. My expectation, yes. I'll tell you, I watched this with my wife, Amanda, last night. And um, uncharacteristically, she stayed awake for the entire movie, which she does not typically do when we watch right. movies together or spend time together. Really. I don't <laughs> try to take it personally, but I don't think that has anything to do with me. She was in rapt attention for the entire movie. My expectation, I'd never seen the movie before, mm -hmm. but it, I've heard about it, seen the rain-drenched poster I thought before watching the film that it was going to be better than I expected. I thought, you know, I bet because it has such presence, it's one of those movies that I probably wouldn't go see, but that I'm saying while watching it, you know what? This is better than I thought it was going to be. I'll give you an example of a, of a film sort of like that that was better than I thought it was going to be, which I will defend. Sure. Bridges of Madison County. Similarly based on, I think, what we can non-disparagingly term a corny-ass novel. Okay. <laughs> Directed by Clint Eastwood. Meryl Streep, Clint Eastwood. Aside from a similar clunky device of kids and family sort of finding evidence of a long lost love affair in real time and then flashing back to the romance itself. Right. It's a movie of real power and, and emotion and, and it's quite well done. This, however, you know, I'm just left scratching my head as to why it could have been so popular. I mean, I, I know why, but it just, my wife kept referencing how insane and over the top the costume designs were, which was became a point of hilarity going forward into the movie. Her outfits, her hairstyles, uh, her father's bizarre <laughs> mustache and hair. Like there were so many aspects of the movie that are so bizarrely out of kilter with what I expected it to be um, that I was entertained throughout, even though it was not in the manner the director would have intended. Mm -hmm. I had a related but different reaction. Related in the sense that, yes, I don't think I, I would do not look back on it and think like that was a good movie. Uh, I actually think it kind of fell apart. But there were a lot of elements that I thought were surprisingly good. Everything that you said that you were sort of hoping for, that you would be surprised or, or have something a little bit better than you expected it to be, I did have some elements of that. They did not add up in the end to anything. And in fact, actually, I did think the very ending actually undermined what goodwill it had uh, built up for you me. You mean the death scene between 
Jim Garner and well, so yeah. Well, you remember what, and and Gina Rollins, Nick Cassavetti's mom. Yeah, <laughs> uh, such wish fulfillment. Just I'm a sure movie, mom. Thinking, don't yeah. I, don't take it personally. I, it's you know fine, mom. We'll cut out. You won't die by an axe. We'll do it. We'll do it differently. You'll die in your sleep. I, I, I said to my wife, statistically speaking, the the chances that two grown adults die at exactly the same time of natural causes in their beds next to each other. It seems extremely rare to me. Such, so, you, so, wait a minute. You have, you have no heart. I mean, because if that is, I, I didn't love that ending, but you know, I, I certainly didn't. Think I can't overlook like, the unlikeliness that it would occur. Well, that's it. I, I can't, I can't that forgive deep. that. I love that deep. That's it's no, going to, it doesn't transcend sort of biology. Okay. I don't know. Well, uh, well, my biggest problem with it was actually more to do with the, uh, the nurse that sort of winks at him. Yeah. Uh, they really did not expect the audience to get that. And I thought it was perfectly clear. Where are you going? I was just taking a walk. I can't sleep. Well, you know you're not supposed to. It's against the rules. Yeah, I know. You weren't really going for a walk, were you? You were going to see Miss Allie. I just got out of the hospital. I miss her. Mr. Calhoun, I'm sorry, but I can't let you see her tonight. Now, you're going to have to go back to your room. As for me, I'm going to go downstairs and get myself a cup of coffee. I won't be back to check on you for a while. So don't do anything foolish. So then they add like a little comic Lotzi as he's as James Garner mimes figuring it out that that yes. she's not actually going to, and then goes in. What'd you call it? A Lotzi? A Lotzi, like a comic Lotzi, like a comic a, bit. A Lotzi? Lotzi. L-A-Z-Z-I. I've never heard that term. Yeah, it's like a um, Is that an acting media? Is yeah. that an acting term? Yeah. Lotzi. Yeah, it's like a like it's a comedia del Are you applying a comedia dell'arte term to the notebook? Uh, yes. Wow. Look, we all speak with the vocabulary that we have. Now this I want to die. This is what I happen to, uh, happen to know. Well, look, I, I didn't say that James Garner, you know, gets an honorary degree from Lecoq training in uh Is that the math school? That's the, like, very famous, um, as famous as such a thing can be, physical theater and physical clowning comedy that's where you learn to do the thing in a box, like I'm, like I'm trapped in a box. You transcend the box. Anybody can do a box. Mm. Lecoq. You, you know, yeah. Mm. It's like yeah. Lecoq de Jacques Lecoq. Jacques Jean Lecoq. Lecoq or whatever. They also have a great line of sportswear, Lecoq Sportif. Uh, yes, those are the same probably shirts. <laughs> probably they, <laughs> that's, that's how, how they, they make sure that yeah. the school keeps running. But So James Garner goes in and dies – uh, spoiler. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Goes in and dies at Gina Rollins. <laughs> and then the same nurse comes back in in the morning. Yeah. And, and she's it, surprised or? She's surprised. But because she goes like, I'm going to go down and get a cup of coffee. Yeah. And I'm not going to check on you for a little while. Yeah. So don't do anything. So he figures out. He goes in and he dies. So she comes back in and she's like, God damn it. Now, now I got to fill out all the paperwork. Yeah, like I, I got to move two bodies and I was yeah. supposed to check on him hours ago and I did. Also, by the way, two people just died on your shift. Yeah, but I mean, that's a lot of like hassle. I think when you work in a nursing home or whatever this this place was, with which mm. is a question, um, whatever this place was, I think death kind of happens. Speaking of the, what's the term? Fritzy? <laughs> Lotzi? The common Lotzi? Lotzi? A comic, a lot. What is that? Like a little, that's like a little bit, like a. Yeah, it's like a, a physical. Like a, a, a physical bon mo. How do you say that? Bon, bon mo. A fritzy. Lotzi. A lotzi. Because <laughs> a lotzi is physical. Everything in the movie is in such hackneyed shorthand that it's kind of amazing. Like when Finn dies, they're in the war. Who's Finn? Oh, Finn, Finn is. is <laughs> His buddy. Is, is, is probably the actor who's, who the existence of a his career remains the largest mystery to me and can only really be ex probably explained by his apparent close personal friendship with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, really? I didn't think Kevin Connolly is <laughs> not no an guy. actor, okay? Kevin Connolly is in a war, the Korean War. No, World War II with World War, yeah. uh, Ryan Gosling's character, Hugh. Uh, Don't give them names. What's his There's name? James Garner, which is old Ryan Gosling. There's Rachel McAdams, who turns into Gina Rollins. Somehow. And then there's the guy with the mustache, Joan Allen, and, and everybody else. Ryan Gosling and Kevin Connolly are in World War II in a 
snowy war field. Noah and Finn enlisted together, and after two years of chasing Rama through the North African <laughs> desert, they were deployed to Patton's Third Army in Europe. And a bomb goes off, and the shot is literally Kevin Connolly's arms and legs sticking up out of a snowbank. And it's like, boom. Ryan Gosling goes, Finn. And he's dead, and it's over. The shorthand is like, there are three shots. We've now killed Finn off. We're done. Everything in the movie happens that way. It's, it's kind of incredible. The guy you refer to, we have to mention him by name because David Thornton, who plays Rachel McAdams' father, I mean... I'm not saying I was with the movie until he entered, but that <laughs> shot of him in those clothes and the mustache and the accent, it really ruined it for me when I looked him up and he's actually from South Carolina. I was so disappointed because I thought the accent was so bad. Um, the mustache. What is the thought behind the mustache? Little boy goes, Dad, I don't understand. He goes, well, in theory, we're both millionaires, but in reality... We live with a bunch of holes. Bishop Stevens told me. Olivia, please remove the uh, the liquor decanter from in front of my husband. I think he's a little too much to drink. Let's see, shall we? Yes. Oh, delicious. So, Noah, you and Ellie have been spending a lot of time together. Must be very fond of each other. Getting pretty serious, huh? Yes, ma'am. And this conversation too stuffy for the dinner table. If the children have fun and I'm bringing in the Spanish Inquisition. I do know another joke about the nun and the four stallions. That you can tell for them. Well, that won't me. This feels like a movie that Nick Cassavetes cast everyone he knew, owed money to. I'm not sure. Yeah, in fact, Ryan Gosling says that one of the reasons he was attracted to this movie, apparently, was the opportunity to play a character between the years 1940 and 1946, which he says was such an important historic era. Hey, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean yeah. none of that has anything to do with this movie. Um, however, he was also cast because Nick Cassavetes, now again, it's hard because now we know of Ryan Gosling. Right. And think- personally, very fondly towards him as an actor. Absolutely. Um, he's been in several movies that I love and really, really like a lot. As you know, we don't have to get into the whole Blade Runner 2049 thing. Yeah. But beyond that, uh, Drive, many other, you know, uh, the nice guys, like he's great in so many things. He was cast in this movie, A, because Nick Cassavetes didn't want someone who was handsome He's not really handsome yet. It's a more unconventional. But I thought he was completely miscast as some sort of local wood yard working roughneck. Uh, much more ably cast as the wood yard working roughneck is Joan Allen's own <laughs> bit of rough that was left unexplored <laughs> in her romantic life until the end of the movie when she rides up in her convertible and some swarthy guy with a mustache and a shovel is like shoveling wood chips yeah, into some mustaches. type of furnace. That's her thing. She loves mustaches. At that point, the movie had descended far into Commedia dell'arte. And there were no, <laughs> the no, Fritzies No were, Lotsie could save it. No Lotsies. Let me come to a, a little bit of a defense of the movie because I think that there were elements of it that were oh, come, nice come, or perhaps come, that come, were- come, Mr. Uh, Bond. That, one, it is, you ever hear that is phrase? Is this going to be some Chris Kupiniak class regime statement appreciation? No, no. <laughs> like as a disquisition about workers' rights and- It fails. It fails completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, like you said, I, um, it's, it's bird, treatment of race. I sort of, I don't know what, oh. what you kind of do. Treatment. I, um, Yikes. But the, the things that I did like about it, one, you know, as I've mentioned before, you know, I've narrated a lot of romance- Ah, so I, I listeners out there, please go and Google. Maybe we can get some of that up on the full cast and crew. Yeah, uh, Facebook I'm page. Sure, Are there I'm links sure the of authors that? would to some of the books that I yeah, like that you don't have to pay for. 
No. I mean, there are links to samples. Don't they have teasers? Yeah, like samples. Like a trailer? Do they do a trailer? Not a trailer for the book, but a sample of my my reading. Oh, I see. The voice is already getting darker when you do that. Okay. Jane was the kind of woman who did da-da-da-da. Whoa, wait, hold on. You turned the dial up to 12 right there, man. Boy, the fire was coming through. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. RNG like Whitman? Be too high. Do you read Whitman too? Like this Corey Worker? Not after... (laughs) So, okay, but you know, like to, quarry workers do, Chris. Well, what else are you going to do down in the quarry? Dig for rocks? Or what do you do? Split rocks? Wait, also, it's not a quarry, is it? No, it's a... They're wood people. What is it? It's a wood <laughs> farm? What are they making? I don't understand what's going on. It's a sawmill, I guess. I work down I the mill. it's a sawmill. He, they work down they the do, mill. Yes. Uh, the things to defend... Which, by the way, he could go to New York and work in any kind of factory or mill. There's no, there's nothing holding him back to the town that, that prevents him from going to live down the road from Sarah Lawrence or wherever she's in college, by the way. I was hoping that that's where the movie would go. Because with the romance, it gives you the sense in the beginning that they're meant for each other. It they, tries to give you that sense. I mean, a romance in general. The kind of structure is you have this sort of meet cute. You want them to be together. You see them getting together. I don't want Have to some together. enjoyment. I want them to fall Something from the Ferris wheel. Well, they, that was- the, And I like Ryan Gosling. Though- I, I liked the fact that they allowed her to pull his pants down. Here's a wow. quote that you don't have to take out of context. I like that she pulled his pants down. <laughs> the things that I, you the You thought that it upended expectations of the male-female courtship dynamic. Uh, not as much upended it, but I'm just trying to figure out what it is that you're responding to What I'm trying to, to respond to is one, Gina Rollins, James Garner are very good. They're good. And actually I think- I was very happy to see them. Their first couple scenes, like they, they did sell what they were supposed to be doing. Uh, let, let, I actually think both Rachel McAdams, who I guess the things that I've seen have been very conventional, yes. uh, fair. I th- actually thought she was wonderful. Like I thought she really did breathe life into a character that was pretty stock with Ryan Gosling. He is such a strange character. And, and I guess I kind of did respond in the same way that Nick Cassavetes meant, his sort of distant affect at first, knowing how well he has put that to use in things like Drive. So all of those things I sort of liked about him. And, and even though it didn't totally subvert the genre, it at least acknowledged, and this is what I liked about her character, she did not seem like an insincere bomb thrower. No, she was somebody who was firmly entrenched in something and yet did have a consciousness of wanting more and, and of wanting to balance the expectations of her family with her own sort of desires. In her subverting of his blackmail uh, <laughs> to get a date, like I think they handled that as well as Sure. But in Chris, a way that was sort of surprisingly good. Sometimes so the you recite the thing a movie is trying to be about as a defense of its failure to live up to the very thing it's trying to be about. So yes, I get that. However, a movie like this falls short of a pretty low bar of expectation. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's not a romantic comedy. I don't know what it's called. I think just a romance. It's a romance. But to me, like, okay, so they're going to make love in the abandoned house, which he will then obsessively, creepily restore to her exacting specifications years later. Mm -hmm. And her parents send the police out uh, looking for them. And when they come back to their house, this deep binding love is rent asunder just randomly in an argument they're having outside the car. And she shoves him into the car and says, we're breaking up. And he says, no, we're not. And then she says, yes, we are. And then he says, okay, we are. And he drives away. And then she runs after and says, no, we're not breaking up. And then that's the separation that then exists mm-hmm. for what I guess in the movie is only about four or five or six years, but feels like it yeah. could have been 30 or 40, really. The timeline in this was real strange because I, I thought, I was like, okay, it's been three it's years. It's a year. And then she says, I've missed you for seven years. I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was way off. Well, he wrote her a letter a day for, for a 365 year. days. And that then count, I guess he just, a year, he moved on. Assuming it wasn't a leap year. Because I know he was like in the war, Finn died. Yes. And then he came back and Sam Shepard sold, whatever. Volcast and Crew is brought to you by Out of Jack's Mind, a new comedy short video series from Jack Plotnick, co-writer and director of the Sony Pictures feature film Space Station 76, and current recurring guest on Grace and Frankie and Z Nation. Out of Jack's Mind, like and follow at Chuckler Comedy on Facebook or Chuckler.com. Chuckler, original comedy delivered daily. All the positive things that I found were 
in the James. Most I don't want to talk James about Rome, the positives, Chris. but it, it did fall apart at the first montage. Like so, after <laughs> you the, mean the falling in love montage? Yeah, their first date. Yeah. I was I was sort of into it, but then they go into a montage and they fell in love, and for the next six weeks or whatever they were in love, yeah. and they would fight all the time. I was yeah. like, really? They would? <laughs> like that, that? That to me is where I was starting to say, like, okay, this is clunky exposition, and this is also yes. um, bad. Well, like giving a detail that's supposed to add depth instead of actually showing it. He's also but creepy. But sort of throwing it into the montage. You tell me what you want and I'll be that for you. I mean, dude, have your own identity. I mean, true love and the coming together of souls meant to be together. At the end of the movie, he says, it'll take work. It'll be hard. Talk about a line pitched towards the women watching the film who wish that their husbands would do the work and, you know, not just like watch sports on TV. However... There's a version of him that's a creepy stalker throughout this whole freaking movie. He grows the beard. He's dressed in rags. He what is what does he do for a living after he spends some amount of time renovating a five story gothic mansion in the South? Is it the quarry money? Is the, it the you know what is I, it the I, furniture I, this making? Is like, this is what led to the financial crash of 2007. He was just living above his means off of the equity built in his home. Oh, let me ask you another question. Why doesn't Sam Shepard play the James Garner character? Because Sam Shepard and Ryan Gosling look like father and son, but James Garner doesn't look anything like an old Ryan Gosling. And all of a sudden, Jane Rollins, who is has Alzheimer's and lives in a home, is a blonde, whereas Rachel McAdams is a brunette. The reason they do it that way, you're not supposed to know, even though, my God, it's so freaking obvious from the first second you see James Garner and Gina Rollins on screen that obviously they're the older versions of the young versions that we're seeing. Yes. But you, the viewer, are not supposed to figure that out until the very last moment when he folds the book, the notebook, and it says, you know, we, I'm Noah, you're whoever, whatever her name was. And she wrote Annie. it. Annie. Annie? Allie? Who cares? She's well, she's know, older Rachel McAdams. The point like, is, is that, like that's to that's to that's so you preserve what's supposed to be a mystery. But of course, it's not a mystery. Every every movie like this has that. Yeah, I, I, I sort of I don't know why. I and love me, seeing James Garner. And actually, and but those things I will say they didn't bother me because well. like I guess because I knew it and I was like, and who knows? So maybe she was a natural blonde who dyed her hair brown, uh, and then she stopped. Dying. Wait a minute, what? Maybe. In 1940, she was a natural blonde who dyed her hair brown. Yeah. Okay. The, the, yeah. I, I'm not going to defend. And look, like I said, it was 10 minutes in, my goodwill was sort Your of- Your goodwill was, was already exhausted. being tested. You know, to go into the full cast and crew part of it, let's talk a little bit about Nick Cassavetes. Oh, directing, my friends, is not an inherited trait. Have you ever seen a movie of his that you liked? I'm actually, I'm looking I at it, and I don't think I've seen any of his movies. A movie of his this. that I've liked. Let's see. Unhook the stars. What's that? No, I have not. Also with Gina Rowland. Oh, and Gerard Depardieu. I, I don't know any of these movies. Um, I don't either. I mean, uh, I guess I've John, heard of something. I might have seen John I've heard of Q. John Q. That was the, uh, that. right, Denzel Washington has yeah, he's health had a insurance, insurance premiums. Problem. Anyway, Nick Cassavetes, the movie is not well-directed. Um, it is, the scenes are jarring. The decisions are strange. The casting is all over the place in some kind of crazy hodgepodge that I just cannot understand. I mean, I liked a lot of the casting. In the Did you? Of like, like, Joan Allen is awesome. And I think <sighs> she makes that- Joan Allen is doing- That part As work. well as can be expected in a I think underwhelming- better than can be expected. The four leads were very good. Uh, Chris, and actually, you, you know can't else, bandy you know about else, very good so easily. You know, uh, look- this is a profession that they've chosen. This is a job I, that I they got to do. I turned to Amanda at one point. I'm trying to remember which scene. I Oh, um, I think it was, oh, I think it was when James Garner was crying as Jenna Rollins was being, you know, they just had a touching yes. moment. And then she descends instantaneously back into her Alzheimer's and has no idea who he is. And she's being led away. You know what we could do? Maybe we could get a car. We could go for a ride. We could. Get out of here and just go someplace. You want to? I don't think so. Not tonight, darling. Come on, why not? Wait a Why did you call me, darling? I don't know you. What's going on here? Am I supposed to know you? Allie. No. No! No! Allie, sweetheart. Hey, Allie, I love you. Stay with me. Don't No! Me. Who are you? 
I'm Noah. I'm Noah, and you're Allie. What do you want? What are you doing here? Come on, baby. Don't come near me. Don't you come Allie. near me. Allie. Allie. Help! Help! Help me! Calm down, Don't Allie. Come. Calm down. No! Calm down, Allie. No, 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 He's doing an admirable job of appearing to cry and be distraught. And I turned to Amanda and I said, man, acting is really an undignified profession. Oh, absolutely. I and, and she goes, oh, yes. I mean, sometimes it just strikes you. And, I was, and, I, and I, my heart goes out. I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that, that people like yourself and other talented people do this for a living. But my God, the, the loss I of I was dignity. doing a show many years ago. And backstage at one point, I kind of woke up as I was like in doublet and hose. Because this took place in, uh, in uh, Elizabethan England. And I looked up at this other actor who at the time must have been 60-ish. Yeah. And he also was in doublet and hose. <laughs> And he had one of those, you know, one of those frilly collars. Frilly collars. <laughs> and he's wandering around backstage, like kind of getting ready and sort of, and I was like, for God's sake, man, you're 60 years old. Have some self-respect. Like, what are you doing with your life? Uh, yeah. And at that moment, it really did strike me as a very undignified um, yeah. profession. But then at times, you know, it feels magical. Yeah. So you, you know, probably every, not on the set of The Notebook. I will say that I also clocked that scene, not so much because of, let's... Whether, you know, James Garner did what he had to do. He did what he had to but do. I will say. He I acquitted did. himself well. I don't. But I do think that the choice of staging the scene the way that yeah. they did. And the amount of Gina Rowland's screaming and yes. being dragged from room to room like she's in an insane asylum. Yes. They were dragging her away, kicking and screaming. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's the end. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. All right. Oh, no. There's, how about that the, verged on the very disturbing. How about the bizarro casting of their children? One actress, she has an extremely severe look. And then her sister looks like a blonde South Carolina prep school girl. Yeah. This goes to, I think in that scene, as viewers, we're not supposed to note that those kids are their kids. That's supposed to be his family, because that's the construct that's being explained to us as a viewer. Jenna Rollins is on the lawn of the nursing home, hospital, rehabilitation center, community living. This bothered me watching it, and it bothered me, and it bothers me that it's not... Is that the house that he rebuilt? No. Wait, when they're old? No. I, Is again, it? I, I would love to would take a blown. crack at rewriting this movie because I thought- Wait, you think James so, Garner turned it into a-, a, a so, Are yeah. there no other patients? I guess there are. No, they, I think you see other patients at one point, especially when she's led away screaming to sort of rock back and forth in a, yes. in a wheelchair. Well, so here, when watching the movie, because this is where- that scene where the children come in. Yes. I will admit, I knew it was old him. I knew it was old her. Yes. What I didn't know- Did he have another time, family? Did he? Yeah. She was about to get married to James Morrison. No, see, I think you did know. But the reason Nick Cassavetes cast two actresses who look completely dissimilar to each other was to attempt to throw you off the scent of this trail that had been- laid down by the director and the writer here to fool you. My God, we know they're them before you even see the freaking movie. Well, I mean, I know it's a tearjerker and stuff, and I do, and I figured- No okay, tears were jerked in my home. It was an attempt to jerk at tears. Uh, but I could, I could have seen it becoming that she married another man and he stayed true to her. Let's say sure. he, the other man dies and out of grief, she starts going crazy. He, because he never, he wants her to finally live in this house that he built for her. Creepy. Well, even still, you know, but the genre of romance to my mind is an inherently um, conservative genre. Mm -hmm. It has very set roles and it also Apparently. has a lot of things that are, again, that are not acceptable in real life. Mm. Like for example, everything Ryan Gosling does at the beginning. <laughs> Uh, things that are not acceptable in real life, but that if you look through a lens where you kind of know you're in this park, this similar- Yeah, I get it. Life. I'm willing to overlook well, so, that stuff in a good movie. Again, I'm, I'm willing to totally. I'm willing to buy that in uh, Castaway, which is a great example of a love story between- A man Helen and his Hunt, uh, volleyball. A man and his volleyball, but also the way they handle the fact that Helen Hunt moved on in his, I don't know, how, how, many, how many years was he gone in Castaway? Six, 10, 12? Long enough to grow a really sick beard. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like they handled that really well. Um, but not long enough to figure out how to shave it off. Similarly in uh, Bridges of Madison County, it also has a sort of forbidden love affair story where at the end, 
um, he goes on his way. And those are handled really well in those movies. So it's not an excuse for the notebook to do it poorly. It's just again, I'm not making an excuse because I think yes, as a movie, it does handle it poorly. But I also know it was based on a book, and I also know, you know, like I said, within this structure, what is the complication? What is the resolution? Does it remain about uh, an uh, undying love that survives past Chris, her? It's other not about life anything. Earth? What do you mean? What is it about? It's about making money. It's not well, about some listen, lofty Nicholas, theme. L- Nicholas Put Sparks on your wrote- tights and your frilly <laughs> neck cuff. I mean, what's that about? That's just about putting butts in seats and you go out there as an actor with that 60-year-old pro listen, presume- and you swallow your dignity and you entertain uh, the people. Listen, presumably you entertain them by telling them a story that hangs together coherently the- and resonates with people. Great, but that didn't happen in this movie. So why are you continuing to try and defend it by ascribing Again, it some even- lofty particulars? I'm not trying to defend what actually happened. What I was saying was I was, try- I guess I was trying to defend it while watching it. I was trying to be open and no. you know, like you asked me to do. I think when you sit down to watch a movie, you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility as viewers to be open. My expectation was this is going to be a good example of this genre of movie. I love Sam Shepard. I think Sam Shepard is such a great presence in a movie, and he's so good in so many movies. I could watch the right stuff anytime it's on, all the way through, only for his scenes alone. In the bar where um, one of the pilots who... I think he's just overtaken Sam Shepard's previous record for- Right, because he's Chuck Yeager. He's Chuck He had Yeager. set the first man and to- he, And he, he can't be accepted into the astronaut program because he didn't go to college. So one of the guys briefly exceeds the speed or the height wherever they're going. And everyone is celebrating this guy. And Sam is at the bar as Chuck Yeager. He has his back turned to the guy. And the guy tips his beer at Chuck Yeager's back as if to say, I know you're still the best. And even though he has his back to him, Sam Shepard raises his glass in answering salute. Can you see those goosebumps that I'm getting right now, Chris? And that's how powerful that moment is. Now, a cynic might say, oh, you can see him in the mirror behind the bar. But that's my willingness to suspend that disbelief, Chris. In that moment, I don't care if he can see him in the reflection in the bar mirror. I choose to believe it's an innate sense that he has that this guy is saying to him, yeah. You got the right stuff. And and Chuck is saying to the guy back, so do you, so my do you. friend. Yeah. But because it's a movie, he, he says it twice. So do you, my friend. <laughs> so so do, you. do you. Now, I love Sam Shepard. And, you know, Sam Shepard, actually, I could I can make an argument that Sam Shepard acquits himself the best of anyone in this movie. He, oh, let me say it this way. He suffers the least embarrassment for an oh, actor of his caliber. The shortest time on screen. That may be why, but he may have been <laughs> smart enough to say, I could imagine him with the script saying, oh, hey, Nick, uh, can, I, can, I, can I run something by here quick over here a second? Yeah. This speech here, this four or five page speech, I just think, uh, I don't think I need that. I think I can do it with my eyes. And Nick Cassavetti is probably like, no, no, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great, Sam, do you think? I mean, uh, it's some important exposition, but I'll tell you what, let me just try it that way. And I bet he just was like, whew, that's seven minutes of screen time I do not have to, to bear. Going back to what you said, like about casting James Garner as old Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Maybe Nick Cassavetti's like, Sam, you look a bit like this kid. Yeah. Would you please take on this role? You would be such a wonderful, people mm-hmm. would love to see you. He's like, or how about this, this other part that shoots two days? <laughs> Why don't I do that? I think he looked at the script and he's like, let me just do this glorified yes. cameo. Yeah. Uh, well, but that's why he acquits himself well. I, and I do think it's, again, it goes back to trying to serve, like if he was the James Garner character, he looks too much like an older version of Ryan Gosling, it would give it away. Uh, but, you know, with something like that, and again, maybe it's because I don't know too much about genetics. Uh, <laughs> as far as casting the You know, Watson and Crick. All of that stuff, like uh, that is a place where I will suspend my disbelief because- because I do think about like, you know, whose schedules and, you know, look, we will only give you money if you get James Garner. You know, Chris, like, here's a little handy tip sheet. If you're watching a movie and you're thinking, who agreed to do this because it was only two days, the movie's not good. You have not entered into a movie that has captured your imagination. Me, there were intermittent moments that I did find moving because of really? the, the strength of the acting. There are intermittent moments I moved to get some pretzels. But uh, no, I would not say this is a good movie. And I, and I think it is, you know, I'm sure Nick Cassavetti is a perfectly nice man. I'm sure his I'm father sure would is. be proud. Uh, mm. 
<laughs> Sam Shepard in this movie died at a moment that I, I, I literally looked at the IMDb page to find out who the costume designer was because Amanda kept mentioning over and over again how insane the costumes were. They were so baroque and over the top. See, to me, they felt very off the rack. Like if you were to- Are you kidding? She was wearing like an ostrich on her head and leather yeah, patches. But she was supposed to be like rich, rich Southern lady in yeah, the 40s. The, the like costumes that. were insane. Amanda said, who's the costume designer? So I go, I turn back. I'm like, what happened to Sam Shepard? She's like, he's dead. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, they had a funeral. I, I just completely missed that. Have you ever noticed when people drink beer in beer bottles in movies, it's so obviously water? Now, I don't drink beer, but in every movie, and there's a scene where they're at the dinner table when they're reunited and they're both drinking beer bottles, it's water and it sloshes like water. Why can't they get this right in a movie? You know, funny, because I clocked, and I'm not sure if you're talking about the same one, but I clocked Rachel McAdams at one point where there's a some mention of something potentially awkward and she like goes for the beer as yeah. if to button. Yep. You wouldn't dare. I'm a married woman. Not yet. What? Why are you looking at me like that? It's memory. This room. <laughs> this... This where this is the room. Huh. Boy, that does not look like somebody who's enjoying the beer. In fact, it looks like she closed lipped splashed it against her lips and then like it went back in that she definitely did not drink it. Yeah. But I, that could be because it's just water and she's like, I gotta pee if I have a thing of water. Or I, again, I'm in trying to sort of meet this movie where it was, I thought that that was a choice that no, as Chris, an actor in the awkwardness. My God, your willingness to allow. Don't they make like stage cigarettes if you have to smoke in a play? Yeah. And, and actually, they're very distracting because they smell like like like, a, like leaf, like like, like burning almost. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of a good reason not to just have them drink beer if the scene calls for them to drink beer. The only argument you could make is you have to do many takes. We can't have the actors drunk, so that makes sense. Which brings me to my second point, which is let's say one of the actors doesn't drink. You do have non-alcoholic beer, although plenty of people who don't drink won't drink non-alcoholic beer anyway. Right. My God, if we can make a staged cigarette, can't we make some sort of thicker? I mean, is beer thicker than water? Viscosity-wise? Well, I will know that, I know that another consideration and why, for example, somebody was talking about doing a shoot where they had to drink a soda. Yeah. And- It's the carbonation. The, the carbonation is an issue as well. Why? Because, but that's, re, but that's verisimilitude. I just drank a pop, a hoppy carbonated beverage. It's going to take me a moment to gather myself. You know- Use it for effect. Sh look, John Cassavetes might've bought that, that argument. Nick Cassavetes. It is bothers not me in every. I am going to make a bet right now. I bet you that if you've ever seen a great film that has a beer drinking scene, I guarantee you they probably drank real beer in the scene. Yeah, I, I just it I'm, bothers I'm me every you, time think, in every movie. It sounds like water. It mm -hmm. looks like water in the bottle. Yeah, um, it's just a difference. Now, uh, did you pick this up? Did you realize that this is not actually? a romance. This is actually a biblical allegory. No, <laughs> no, you, I did you didn't not get that? that up. No. Okay. Well, let me just I do know Nicholas Sparks is sort of uh, known he's, for he's that. He's known sort for of a little religiosity. Yeah. Right. Ryan Gosling's character is named Noah. He works with wood. He builds a colossal life defining Arc. vessel made of wood, which carries him to a hopeful future. And that's pretty much where it stops. What do you think? I, I think that's dumb. And there's not, a lot of geese. Not on your part. How about the geese? The goose pond? What the hell? Boy, that must have stunk. You don't remember <laughs> that scene? <laughs> no, there's I do 500,000 Goslings. Ah. Brian Gosling was originally an extra that they pulled into yeah. the lead role. Because he's a Gosling. Um, like that's the forced romanticism. Like it's romantic to be in a pond cluttered with 600,000 pieces of goose shit and... <laughs> Shed feathers. I mean, they didn't. Have you been around geese? On, sure, I've been they're around fucking geese. Nasty. But I will say, they're not that, loving and kind and cuddly. But that scene important. is so ridiculous. Floating in a boat. Like, what's with all the boats? I read something once where, like, that's why, like, when they're kissing, there it's in every kind of uh, what's the term? Denouement. 
Sure. What does that mean? Or what that's that? after the climax, like when everything's sort of shutting uh, down. Do, do you mean what's that? the term before that? The climax. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's the one. What's the French term? It sounds a little better than climax. Le climax. <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, not the penultimate and not the denouement. The ultimate? <laughs> the, I mean, that's that's got to be. Well, when they kiss in the rainstorm, yes. right? it's raining. I, I saw a video once where like in every movie ever, it's always raining. Rain somehow symbolizes like love or passion or, right. or um, what's the term? The climax. Intercourse. Yeah, climax. You know, yeah. again, you keep, you know, don't avoid the word well, climax. This know. is an adult show. Now, did you know that story? To get back to the, if, if I may, though, uh, yeah, and I, I, I'm not defending the movie, but what I says the guy about to defend the movie. Go ahead. One thing that I did like about it prior to watching, or it. I appreciated prior to the rain scene. Yeah, and I hated the rain scene. I found it actually unromantic <laughs> and ugly. <laughs> but what because of the obvious swelling music and mm, yes, I had the a light touch. The light touch of Nick Cassavetes. Well, the, up until then. I at one point did, Nick, take your did hand, remark take your, or put your hand off the scale. I was like, well, there's not a lot of, he's not using a lot of like music, which Aside as somebody from, who doesn't much care for music, I was like, yeah. this is great. Like it, right. I don't feel as emotionally manipulated by music. Yes, the scenes were obvious what they were trying Lugubrious. to do. But I at least appreciated the lack of sure. swelling music until, until the rain scene, which I was like, oh. This wow. Is. Cue the strings. Yeah. I, the only thing that would have been better is if like 600,000 geese could have taken flight in the background. Yeah, that well, we saved that for the end. After they die, the geese flying away. Full Cast and Crew is brought to you by Behemoth from Monkey Brain Comics. Behemoth is the dirty dozen meets the fly with little Spider-Man thrown in. Kids are turning into monsters and the government steps in to keep things quiet. Some are never heard from again, but others are forced on suicide missions on behalf of a world that hates them as part of Project Behemoth. Find it on monkeybraincomics.com or Comixology today. Dude is creepy. Dude, yes. No. I built you a freaking studio. I've got a canvas out. I cut out paper arrows and lay them on the floor. What the hell? Yeah. But look, again, this is some element of the genre. Is that, that's no, what- No, uh, the Nicholas Spark genre. But again, I think in a, in a romance, if you read a romance novel- I most don't. of the most of the characters, if you break down what they do, it's actually creepy. Well, I have a couple of Nicholas Sparks points to make yeah, here. Yeah, please. Um, here's a notation that was on uh, his uh, Wikipedia page. After receiving his first check for the notebook, he went out and bought his wife a new wedding ring. Oh, fucking stop it already. Okay. Do you remember when uh, the Passion of the Christ came out? Yes. So uh, another romance. There's a <laughs> there's a crossover to the Passion of the Christ in this film. Really. Someone is in The Passion of the Christ. Oh, because I know there was that one cashier in Seabrook who speaks in Aramaic. <laughs> That's probably. There's somebody involved in this movie was in, well, it's definitely not James Garner, I can tell you that. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's not Kevin Connolly. Uh, it's not Gina Rollins. It might bizarrely be David Thornton. Can, uh, side note, so David Thornton. Uh, uh, and his mustache. And his, well, uh, and rather, mus mustache. that mustache and his David Thornton. They they have their second breakup after yeah. the whole affair thing yeah. is, uh, and she drives away and there's this thing of like, oh my gosh, she might have a car accident. Yes, there's which I was like, please let her. Did you happen her. to notice the guy driving the truck had a big mustache? <laughs> so I was thinking like, is that her dad? Who's like, you're not going to bring dishonor. You're not going to bring dishonor oh, to my family. <laughs> that, that dad doesn't know how to drive heavy machinery. Yeah. That mustache was such a choice. I can't describe how heartbroken I was to learn he was actually born and raised in South Carolina. It really, I, I wanted him so badly to be from Brooklyn or- That same show that I was referring to before, that same show, there was an uh, actual British actor and we all did British oh, accents. an actual one. Imported. <laughs> uh, but I think his accent was called out in a review as being- <laughs> He's the uh, only unreal. one who actually- Well, wait, why, why in that anecdote was your sense of indignity- directed at the older gentleman and not at yourself who was similarly clad. I don't know, man. I, I do think that you're supposed to you're supposed to an air of gravity and dignity. Not in acting. <laughs> Poor James Garner ends up with a cutaway trying to cry as his wife is dragged away kicking and screaming. I, I mean- say, I, That's the movie I want to see. Oh. This sort of over and over uh, <laughs> attempt at a romance and how it weighs on him. Oh. Nicholas Sparks, like, you know, you said there's a biblical analogy there. Yeah. That's like his thing, right? Isn't he a Yes, big... apparently they all have an element of religious themology. 
the reason why I mentioned The Passion of the Christ is um, when that movie came out. Based on the novel by Nicholas Sparks. Passion of the Christ? Yes. I think that was based on the novel by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Or wait, I guess it was no, the Nick part. No, no, no. That's the, that's the Bible people. Nicholas. Nicholas. He's in the Bible, isn't he? St. Nicholas? Yeah, Nicholas Nickleby. <laughs> that's, a, that's a chapter. <laughs> well, the reason I mentioned Passion of the Christ is when Passion of the Christ came out, around that same time, there was another Nicholas Sparks novel. Or no, maybe it was a Mitch album. Here's Who two, did Tuesdays with Maury? Mitch album. Right, well, there goes Here, that anecdote. Here's two good Nicholas Sparks uh, informational things. Nicholas Sparks' personal quotes. Romance is thinking about your significant other when you are supposed to be thinking about something else. And then from his biographical details, separated from Kathy Sparks, his wife of 25 <laughs> years. I'm going to go back to one of his other, another of his personal quotes in answer to his separation. Perhaps he says, I don't know that love changes. People change. Circumstances change. Wow, that's deep, Nick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I don't want to, you know, Nick, Sp I mean, hey, Nicholas Sparks, he probably knows more about writing than I know about podcasting. Well, the, come on, this is episode 12 or something, you know, so. You, yeah, but. That makes that, you, you're you we, could, we could make 112 episodes. It doesn't this mean. This makes you the Sam Shepard of podcasting. We you all know? stand upon the stage in tights from time to time. That's Searching true. for Fritzy. What's it called again? Lotzi. Yeah. yeah. Everything Lotsie. we do, just getting out of bed is a Lotzi. Do you know a lot of John Cassavetti's films? Yeah, I mean, he's in a favorite Columbo <laughs> episode of mine. How great was John Cassavetti's and Rosemary's Baby? I love that movie. How great is Ruth Gordon? Ruth Gordon also is in uh, probably the best Columbo episode. <laughs> stars Ruth Gordon. Yeah, I, I got no. And I Peter no Falk, as you know, was a frequent star of John Cassavetti's films. Well, I was. I thought you were going to say because wasn't Ruth Gordon also uh, Maud in Harold and Maud? She was. She certainly wasn't Harold. <laughs> you you sussed that out, you clever boots. <laughs> Um, love Ruth Gordon. Love uh, Ruth I you know I, I can hear the mockery when you when I raise the issue of Columbo, but well, I was going to say I, good I, enough for John Cassavetes, good enough for Ruth Gordon, good enough for a little guy named Johnny Cash who also guested in a star role, guest role starring. Clark. You want to take that again? Yeah. Um, it's also good enough for Peter Falk. I Sonic. simply have never seen it. You've never seen Columbo? No. Do you have a DVD like player at home? Is, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Do I have to watch? This? I don't have it here, but I could bring you in the complete Columbo box set. I suppose. I mean, if you really think it's worth my time, I'm trying to catch up on Don't American Horror pained. Story. I mean, Columbo's better for you than American Horror Story. You think? Oh, absolutely. I, did There's you no see that question. first season of American Horror no, Story? No, I'm not into that. It's great. I take a set against it. I don't like the whole, I don't like the marketing. I don't like the- Oh, I love the marketing. I think- You know what's you know what ruined it for me? Yeah. I read that New Yorker profile of whoever that guy is. Right. Sean Murphy, right? No. And then Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Sorry. I hadn't watched it up until now because I think I also just because of Glee and stuff. And you're like a horror guy. Are you, like are you into it on a horror level? Uh, convert to it, and I sort of want to see like how do you stretch something like that out? Well, over it's an anthology. Season. But I mean, over a whole so season. You don't, the answer is you don't stretch it out. You do a new story every season. But I, but There's you stretch no it out. Over, you stretch it over a season as opposed to one two-hour film. Well, sure. And I, that so I was interested. And I wanted okay. to try. And I also I saw the um you know he did that uh, O.J. Simpson. Yeah, I didn't see that. I saw the documentary, but I didn't watch the dramatization. I, but I heard was, it was good. I thought it was fantastic. I would and watch it, that. it gave me, it made me interested to see what his work was like. Sure. Oh, another thing that struck me as a funny comedic shorthand, you know how people in movies get really angry and like kick stuff out of their way, which mm -hmm. never actually happens in real life? I think of like Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire. Fine, when he's arguing with Cuba Gooding Jr., he's like kicks a locker. And it's, it's a way to make like a noise and elevate a scene without changing where you are. Anyway, Gosling does it on the porch and uh, kicks like a box. Do you remember when he's telling her about building the house or redoing the house? And he's like, and then out back, it'll be for my workshop. Yeah. Guess he forgot about that. Well, not, no, 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 because you see him in it later. Oh, That's yeah? where he spends most of his time. When he, I don't know. Well, what does he do? Make well, furniture? This is the, when, it's, when that comes up, and he's like, that'll be from work. So I was like, what workshop? Like, yeah. do, do you have some passion that we have not been told about? If I was Allie and I showed up and dude like renovated the whole house, that's when I'm out. Well, and what did James you know, Marsden ever do to deserve this? You know, who I like, by the way. It's yes. not the best James Marsden role. But I, well, I'll I root tell for you, James Marsden. I do too. This, like in Superman Returns, this sort of the also ran who gets kind of shunted aside- Yes. Uh, but is in both cases very dignified and kind about it. Though, what did you think? So cast your mind back mm. to last night. 
around the time when you were watching the movie. Okay. Specifically, the scene I'm before yawning. she drives away. I know, I know I was yawning. Before she drives away and her father tries to kill her in that truck. <laughs> so there's the scene where she's like, I gotta, I gotta go. Yes. You know, and, and he starts yelling at her. What was your opinion of that scene? When the father's yelling at her? When Ryan Gosling is yelling because she's like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's like, well, you got to know. And you got to, and she's like, but I, but I promised myself to this guy. I have no memory of that scene. That was one of the moments. Wait, she was telling Ryan Gosling she's got to go because she promised herself to James Marsden? Yeah. so she's kind of unsure about what she's going to do. This and is after like, they're reunited. Yes, ab- okay. when they're reunited and after they've, sure. they've had. Yeah, her wishy-washiness was pissing me off at that point. It was pissing him off too, and he was yelling. That's why he kicked the box. He said, are we back to this again? Yeah. And she said, well, all we do is fight. He goes, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. It's going to be work, but I'm here to do the work with you. Which I hate. I'll even go into <laughs> stores with you when you're shopping. Yeah, because the fight thing, I think, you know, and who knows, maybe in the novel it's more organic. But the part after that where she's, where he says, don't worry about him. Don't even worry about me and do what you want to do. He says that? He says that to her. Yeah. What about the past couple of days? They happen, you know? I know that they happen, and they were wonderful. But they were also very irresponsible. I have a fiancé waiting for me at a hotel who's going to be crushed when he finds out So you make love to me, and then you go back to your husband? Would you just stay with me? Stay with you? What for? Look at us. We're already fighting. Well, that's what we do. We fight. You tell me when I'm being an arrogant son of a bitch, and I tell you when you're being a pain in the ass. I'm not afraid to hurt your feelings. They have like a two-second rebound rate, and you're back doing the next pain in the ass thing. So what? So it's not going to be easy. It's going to be really hard. And we're going to have to work at this every day, but I want to do that because I want you. I want all of you forever, you and me, every day. (laughs) But that didn't strike you. Again, you would have had to strike me about the face and neck repeatedly at that point in the movie to get any kind of reaction out of my dead corpse. Well, like I said, I was doing my best to stay I was with the not movie. So that was a moment that, that was one of those things that that conversation to I, me seemed to be going in one direction. And I thought that they. No, because he's supposed to be he's the ideal man. He's supposed to be what women want. But I think that there was something more. I'm not going to pressure you. I'm just going to meticulously renovate a five-story gothic mansion to your specifications. Which, Not mine, even though I've lived there by myself for some number of years. Yeah. If they had never gotten together and he had the donated world would be that a better place. and turned it into an old folks' home, a hospice or whatever they were in, that would have been yeah. a great reveal. I'd like to think you're right. And so that, you know, his wish and their mm. love would have been fulfilled. That he, she would have finally, you know, in her dotage and, and as she's sure. sick, finally does come to live there. Wouldn't that it have been to me great? would have been like sort of a, a tragic and a, and a more sort of big R romantic. Wouldn't it have been great if, um, if, if when we that see that shot going up over the bed with the lifeless forms of James Garner and Nick Cassavetti's mom, that like- Gina Rollins. It just pa- panned over and then there was like a bottle of digitalis like <laughs> spilled over. Then I would be, I'd be like, okay, they chose the romantic way out, you know? Old people save up their medication. That's what they do. They do that so that when they reach a certain point, they have control over the exit. Yeah, no, I got you. I but hear this, you. it's like the final indignity is, is visited upon me, the viewer, where I'm asked to believe that two otherwise healthy people, <laughs> well, I mean, look, she has, she has a degenerative brain condition, but she's not suffering. She's robust. It takes three orderlies to wrestle her down when she's yeah. freaking out, okay? James Garner is, sure, he has a desultory medical exam. And I just think you could have found an elegant solution for how they both died. Like maybe a gas leak or (laughs) uh, a killer on the run. No, no, no. (laughs) Yes, very elegant. Something Uh, gothic and Southern, you know? James Marsden comes back. James Marsden comes back. With a sickle. I was waiting for James Marsden to prove himself in this movie to be the heel, but he wasn't. She's with James Marsden in their scene. Mm -hmm. It's not the penultimate scene. It's not the denouement. It's whatever happens right in that moment. And he's like, he too is like, you should go do whatever you want. I should let you go, right? He doesn't He doesn't soccer in the eye or kick over a desk or anything. He's just accepting. He doesn't make a scene. I mean, you know, he's He just moves on with his life. You know, yeah, well, he's got to. What else is he going to do? I agree with many of the things that you were saying, but you also have to accept the genre for for what it is and and where it is. No, 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 no. That it was an attempt. That is how you get mediocrity. 
I do not have to accept the genre for what it is. I can demand of the genre that it rise to the occasion. But I don't think it's any more realistic. It's possible for people to deal with things it that is. way. And, that, and that's the world that but this was But it's less dramatic. In. But that's not, I'm just saying, I don't think that's where the drama was. And again, everything that I kept thinking that it was, again, that maybe they would stay together and it would, oh, this no, turns no, into the nursing home. Both male protagonists have exactly the same reaction to the female protagonist's wishy-washy state of mind, which is, you got to figure it out and do what you got to do. Yeah. But and I, that's what her mother says. She gets the same advice from everybody, including her mother, who apparently not from her is not so- from her mother until one the point, end. And one point yeah. in the film is so set on keeping her apart from this woodworker that she calls the police. However, at the end of the film, she has a meticulously wrapped bundle of 365 love letters, which by the way, she didn't open and read, which she turns over and says, I once loved a rough boy too. Yeah. I'm just saying there's, there's, there's more, there also there's differences yeah. you could have had for a dramatic arc. Potentially, but I, but I guess- But I don't even want to talk about that. I want to say, <laughs> why hasn't James Marsden more of a thing? I mean, he's a very good looking guy. Yeah. I think he can be a wry comic presence when given the opportunity to be so. Yeah. Why is Ryan Gosling a star and James Marsden isn't? You know? Yeah, I don't you know. You ever wonder that? Not about them specifically, but yeah, you, like, you never know what people actually want or what- That's um, true. When I was looking at Gosling's career, it's like, man, he's been in a lot of like movies that did not work at all. I think of him as a huge star, but when you look at it, I mean, right now he's kind of on an upswing. I don't. I haven't seen First Man. I'm looking forward to seeing it. That's like a movie that I would really enjoy. Canadian Zone. Ryan Gosling. Can, yeah, he's playing. Portraying yeah, him. America's Best, portrayed by. Yeah, portrayed by Ryan Gosling in a Damien Chazelle film. You know, I only saw Drum School that Damien Chazelle, and <laughs> I did not, not. It's not called Drum School. Like it's a perfectly competent movie, but right. I guess because it's supposedly about greatness and being driven. Mm that the shallowness of the of everything else in it, right. there's an irony that I don't like. And that that actually made me sort of uncomfortable. The sort of um, glorification of the relentless pursuit. Yeah. This seemed to me like one of those things, like it's kind of saying, oh, look at how destructive it can be, but it's actually pretty cool. It's, I didn't see it. I actually have never seen a Damien Chazelle film. I haven't seen I have La La a, Land or Drum School. I haven't seen La La Land because I think no matter who directed it, I, I would not have wanted to see. How but, do you know? Uh, because it's a, a modern day musical. Not Musicals, interested. Not interested. Well, I will say that the first movie I feel moved to go see by him is the Neil Armstrong movie. Yeah. Like I, I too, as a flawed person whose sentiments blow in the wind, <laughs> when everyone was raving about La La Land, I just took a set against it and couldn't see yeah. it in any kind of clean environment in which to have an actual thought or feeling about it. And I just missed Whiplash. And there's something about him when I would see him speak that just kind of turned me off too. I got kind of a Gladwell-esque vibe. And I just wasn't interested. <laughs> Similar hair. So that's the, um, that's the thing. But this this Neil Armstrong movie I'm interested in, um, although I did see a little featurette recently that showed some behind the scenes stuff of the Neil Armstrong movie. The featurette a little bit was a little in love with itself about the filmmaking, like yeah. cameras on, like a bunch of esoteric cameras on esoteric devices holding them, not for Damien Chazelle, just the tripod. No, no, no. We had all sorts of invented things and lanyards and pulling tethers and stuff. It was like, Listen, okay. if you're an artisanal lanyard maker, <laughs> you're very happy for the work. But, but you know, isn't the Academy Award winning director, right? Did he win an Academy Award for? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. I know he didn't win for La La Land for <laughs> that. I remember. Oh, right. Because Ishtar's own Warren Beatty that's right. Ishtar is a goof. You know what? I heard that Beatty was doing that as a continuation on Ishtar. That was like a- <laughs> He was playing was, he was Lyle playing. Rogers. He won an Oscar for Best Director. He did win for- Okay. Did, but does First Man, so it's, it's about Neil Armstrong faking the, the moon landing? Like, exactly. Are they, yes. <laughs> are they focusing it's about the on Illuminati. the preparation of- <laughs> Yes. It's about how they built that set, faked the moon landing- um, so it's like an unofficial sequel to Apollo 77 or what was that O.J. Uh, uh, Simpson movie? Capricorn 1. Capricorn 1. An unofficial sequel to Capricorn yes. 1. Yes. I know it wasn't a box office success, but I think as an artistic triumph and as a, as a piece of acting, I thought he should have been Oscar nominated for Blade Runner 2049. A very gosling performance where he does very little and in doing very little, he gives us very much. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when he's doing a lot or even more than a little it loses a little magic. If I think about the roles where I've been most impressed by him, they're the ones where he 
is very subtle, except for the nice guys, which I think is he's hilarious in. Did you see All Good Things? Is that the one he directed? No, that was a, a fictionalized account of what's his nuts. The guy who killed all the people? Yeah. Wait, it's not called that. All Good Things. Where is it? It's the guy, the jinx. What is the jinx? Oh, about? yeah. Um, Robert Durst. Yeah, you know, I never so saw it's a that. Fi- it's a I never saw that. Andrew Jarecki. It's yeah. the same guy who directed the uh, the Jinx. Is it good? Yeah. Is it good? It's such an interesting, fascinating story. And I, and I guess with, juxtaposing this with the Jinx is interesting to see how mm. Andrew Jarecki dealt with it. And, you know, but no, it's. <laughs> Andrew Jarecki irritates me. Really? Yes. Why? Eh, too heavy a hand on the till sometimes. Did he need to be in that quite as much as he was as a character? I'm just not a fan of that in general. Like, I think if you're making a documentary and it's about your personal life, okay. If you're making a documentary about Fred Durst, other than maybe including audio and or video of you pressing him in an interview, I felt like he was a little bit too much a character in a way that bothered me. Fair enough. I don't think so. That was such a particular case. Having said that, I watched the whole thing. I devoured the, the, I mean, I loved it. But like all the ethical questions, which are still not totally resolved in terms of who had what information when and is it ghoulish to go on with this documentary, even though you kind of knew he had done this? Well, we don't uh, know. By the end, there's that confession. Spoiler for the jinx. Or mumbled aside from a crazy guy taking a leak in a bathroom. Okay. It, it's plausibly either of Look, those. It's just, I mean, you can't say it's a confession. It's certainly packaged like one. Packaged like one little... and has been treated like one since. Yes. The whole point of the thing is they have that envelope that sort of opens a new side of the investigation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that there has been some criticism, like how could you go, why did you not turn this over to the police right away? Why did you do such and such digging? Because we're making a movie. That's why him being part of it was interesting and important because you see somebody who's involved and who's and who's making a moral compromise. That's why I was sort of glad that he was there because it takes those issues head on. Who else worked on this movie? Let's, you uh, know. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, seriously, can we be done talking about? I had no idea they were both Canadian. You ever see that show, um, what's it called? Slings and Arrows? Oh, yes. That Canadian, Richard McAdams is in that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I did not know. I think until Which is strange because he- I consider myself a, a Ryan Gosling fan. Yeah. I have to admit, like, I think he's great in everything that I've seen him in, but I guess I wouldn't consider myself a fan. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I guess I don't know why. I think maybe you know it is a, because he is he does have that distinct which star, I like Chris. so much. And he is a movie star, and maybe that's it. Yeah. That it just seems like, what's the point of being a fan? Because he's got plenty of fans, because he's yeah. a movie star. Well, uh, I don't think that's how fandom works. I mean, you don't parcel out your fandom based on who needs it. I don't know. Helps. They earn you it. You want to support. As yeah. John Houseman said. We earn it. Paper Chase. Well, it's actually an ad for Xerox or something, isn't it? <laughs> Which they- No, it wasn't Xerox. Chase? It was uh, J.E. J. Hutton, F.E. Hutton, Thomas, Timothy Hutton. Timothy Hutton, yes. The Timothy brokerage, Hutton Bank. Timothy Hutton Brokerage. <laughs> they earn it. How do you think they got the money to produce ordinary people from they the Timothy Hutton it. Brokerage? Is that guy that I just mentioned, is he English? John Houseman? Yeah. It'd be funny if John Houseman was like from Kansas. <laughs> John Houseman. Academy Award winning actor. British American. Uh, well, see, that means he's American. Oh, well, let's see. Born Bucharest, Bucharest Romania. Romania. Oh, he's a vampire. He's vampirian. <laughs> so he's not dead. He's not dead. Oh my! <laughs> he was born Jacques Hausman in Bucharest, Romania, to May and George Hausman, who ran a grain business. His father was from an Alsatian Jewish family, and his mother was British, was of Welsh and Irish descent. John was raised in England, where he was educated. Educated. I did not know that he was a founder of the Mercury Theater with Orson Welles. I didn't either. Amazing. Chris, I'm really, my stomach is growling. I'm hungry. I think I've said all that I have to say. Well, so two tentative thumbs up. (laughs) Not surprisingly, mutant albinos swim and breed in these waters. A thought is born of this surreal environment. Not long ago, Just a few ten thousands of years back, there were glaciers here, nine thousand feet thick. And now a new climate is steaming and spreading. Fairly soon these albinos might reach Chauvy Cave. Looking at the paintings, what will they make of them?
is real, nothing is certain. It is hard to decide whether or not these creatures here are dividing into their own doppelgangers. And do they really meet? Or is it just their own imaginary mirror reflection? Are we today, possibly, the crocodiles who look back into an abyss of time when we see the paintings of Chauvet Cave? Thanks for listening to Fullcast and Crew. I uh, just wanted to remind everyone to subscribe if you haven't already, so you'll get a new episode every Thursday. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at fullcastandcrewpod at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at fullcastandcrew, or find us on Facebook.